So last night, some dude was supposed to come, and he plays guitar, and he knows a guy um, that plays drums. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy, because actually there's a dude that lives across the street that apparently plays drums that I've, like, passed by before, and I've been like, hey, man, we should jam, you know, and talk about it. So he's like, no way, do you live on <laughs> street? I'm like, yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> and he's like, uh, well, that's my buddy, Kevin. I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a fucking small-ass world, huh? So uh, I'm like, all right, well, let's jam, let's jam tomorrow then. He's like, okay. So he was supposed to come over. Um, he never showed up, never said anything. Um, so I'm like, fuck it, man. I'm going to go over there because the, the dude next door that lives across the street that was his buddy, you know, mm-hmm. his garage door was open. I'm like, okay, sweet, man. He's probably fucking out there. He's probably fucking jamming. So I go over there, and I'm like, uh, hey, man. Oh, no. Do you want to fucking? Do you want to hang out? Do you want to jam? Oh no! And he's like, "Yeah, that." He's like, "Yeah, that sounds good." I'm like, "Okay, cool." Do you like, you know, because he, he drums and stuff, and I'm like, "Do you want me to like come over there and bring my guitar and amp and stuff over there?" And he's like, "He's like, no, there's not very much room." Um, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> like, do you have an amp? Because he's got an electronic drum set instead of like a full-on drum set, right? Yeah, so I'm like, yeah. okay, well, do you have like an like, do you have like an amp or? You know, trying to help him out, just basically being like, look, you don't have to bring very much shit, because, you know, I can hook up. Like, yeah, he's like, I just use tower speakers. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever, you know, fucking, I don't know what drummers, fucking, what kind of shit they do. Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a drum. Oh, okay. I'm back over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, okay. pl- he and that, again, it was like electronic drums, so I'm like, okay, cool, man. Like, I'm going to try to help him out and be like, well, I've got an amp. All you got to bring over is your robot shit you know <laughs> um, yeah right so i come back over i come back over and i'm jamming and stuff for a little bit and i'm jamming and i i'm like oh man it's sure taking him a while and i look over his fucking garage door was closed <laughs> straight up ghosted <laughs> oh my god oh, no. it's like a little kid yeah, okay. with his, well, <laughs> toys that just i know i feel like a girl. <laughs> so, so so then today the dude the dude that ghosted me last night that said he was going to fucking that I didn't have to try to get him to come over. Um, he's like, Hey man, sorry for ghosting you last night. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. You know, like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we all know like, what happened. He's like, yeah. Well, he's like, uh, well I can come over tonight and I'm like, okay, cool, man. To come over. He was supposed to come over at seven and he hasn't texted or told me I've made dinner for him. I, I, oh my, I God. my hair. his fucking guy (laughs) oh my god no yeah i i don't know man i just want to start a band like i don't feel like it's that hard of a thing but it's probably my age yeah i've actually morphed into a new full dead (laughs) oh yeah a new form of dad Mm, yeah oh next level dadness yeah what's the next level dadness let's see if we can out dad each other what's the first level of dadness like what do you feel is that pivotal point where you're like fuck that guy is gonna be a dad when when you care how long the lawn is i think that that's one stage Mm. when you care yeah oh yeah that's definitely a a first dad stage kind of thing yeah yeah um and i'm sure there's a lot of a lot of markers i'm trying to think of there's probably a lot of different what kind of shoes too, you wear you, down <laughs> you know what you know what another one is having uh like five or six grill spatulas <laughs> because you get them Ooh, every because you get them every year for father's day anyway why do you so get the, a guy that likes to grill like well I'm grill sorry, spatulas obviously spatulas. but all i'm saying is like that's like <laughs> peak level dadness is how many of those do you have <laughs> yeah and also Second to that question is, how many of them do you actually use to barbecue with? <laughs> what do you use? Yeah, I got one, one of them. <laughs> no, okay, so here's another level of dadness, too, that's really awesome. Like, when you have your own pair of mowing shoes, like, that are dedicated just to mowing specifically. But <clears throat> when you down cycle, I guess is what you would call it, your shoes <laughs> to get to that level. So I... So what what reminded me of that with the grill spatulas? You're saying you know do you use all of them? I actually end up downcycling those too, and I use one to like stir up the coals and stuff, right? Yep. So yep. I've got yeah, the one that I've I'm had saying. forever. <laughs> that's what I'm talking yeah. about, yeah. bro. Yeah. When you don't <laughs> yeah, actually there's... use them for spatulaing anymore, they are now well, do you, grill tongs. Do you have the fancy ones that you've never even used before at all because they say like. They're like fucking monograms or something like yep. that. So they, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
That's next level. Also, just so you guys know, we've got like fucking shit tons of tornadoes everywhere around oh, us. Oh no! So, I, we had a thunderstorm here earlier. It's not a problem because I'm in the basement, but. <laughs> so if we see Abby and Baker just uh, randomly this running out, it's still a problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what are we talking right. about today? Well. Um, we are, are we actually talking? going to be talking about the rise and fall of the Comanche Empire. Ooh. It's an interesting Ooh. story. I've I've heard a little bit about it because I was the one who brought this to Gina uh, and her attention <laughs> individually. All right, so do you want me to start with the yeah. introduction? Yeah, I'd love to. All right. <clears throat> All right, this is... All right, this is going to go great. I'm going to get it in one take, you guys. One Watch take, this Gina. Shit. One All take, right. Gina. This is high stories where we... Br- not one take, Gina. <laughs> Talking about two take, Gina. <laughs> one hundred. Take Gina. <laughs> this is High Stories, where we bring you history with a side of hilarity. Get ready to sit back, light up, pour yourself a drink, or do what you want to get comfy, and prepare to laugh your way through history with us. Let's get this hilarious journey started, my friends. On today's episode, get ready to saddle up and journey back to the untamed plains of the Wild West. In this episode, we explore the awe-inspiring rise and dramatic fall of the Comanche Empire. Now, when discussing the Comanche people, it's important to approach the topic with cultural sensitivity and avoid perpetuating stereotypes. All right. The Comanche are a Native American tribe with a complex history, and their actions should be understood with the context of their time and circumstances. So, they were once the unrivaled rulers of the Wild West, but their empire faced daunting challenges as settlers encroached upon their territory. We're going to witness the class... (laughs) (laughs) I love... When you, when you mess up, how hard you take it. Because <laughs> I know you guys are going to make fun of me if no, I just try not. to breeze over it like we're I not. didn't just say Honestly, something. half the time I don't even, usually I don't even notice. I'm honestly. actually invested in this story, so no. I'm, All right, witness I'm the class, clash. Why is that word hard? Witness the clash of cultures, the impact of advancing technology, and the struggles that ultimately led to the decline of the Comanche. Join us on this gripping journey through history as we uncover the bittersweet story of the Comanche Empire. But first, of course, we have to start with introductions. (laughs) I am struggling. Um, uh, (laughs) It's been so long. (laughs) Been a while. I honestly was leaning on you for that part and uh, okay. it's like yeah what now gina yeah so <laughs> i'm so happy all right before we start with introductions i do want to say that this story was brought to my attention by our co-host phil and so he's gonna play a big role in some of the storytelling because i didn't want to write at all and i was lazy especially because he told me we were doing it today so like i literally had very little planning but so he originally is, brought it phil is, phil is definitely uh invested in a little bit yeah. yes um here's the research that i've done i've watched a youtube video twice now this youtube video was very extensive <laughs> oh, and i down. i know hold up and and so i overachieved i get it but i was <laughs> i wanted to make sure that i knew all about this subject because i think it's interesting so yeah a yeah. 20 minute youtube video watched it twice so that's 40 minutes of research <laughs> <laughs> I told Jesus. You knew more. Save, save some ass kissing for the rest of us. Oh, no. Okay, so it's a good thing I went down my typical research rabbit hole to find out more for our listeners. But I kind of set my sights more on the Comanche Empire and, like, how they kind of rose to power or kind of, like, as one of the more feared tribes um, and their conflicts with the Apache. Um, so Phil kind of covers that part. Um, yeah, kind of. <clears throat> a little bit. I hope so, because I'm sorry. Up their, fucked up shit their way to power, right? Yeah. yeah. That, that's how they did it. They fucked shit up their way to power. But, uh, actually, but they we're really gonna did. Kinda, yes. We're going to kind of learn why they might have done that way. Okay. And and by so. the way, we are not historians, right? We're experts. We're so. experts. Which is but I think the, we have that in our intro, in so, intro. which we kind of need a new intro for the new season, we I really feel like. We really do. Yeah, so. I should probably write a new one. I mean, uh, listen, I'm not going to say people haven't said I am. But I guess that 
I would have to have them say that I'm an expert to be able to say I'm here. So, mm. yes, I'm not an expert. <laughs> not an expert. If you can seek air quotes, not an expert. Yeah. <laughs> not an expert air quotes. Yeah, got it. All right. I didn't go to school and learn about stuff to be able to <laughs> know history and all that. But I know a fair bit about a fair bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Enough to graduate, bro. All yeah. right, so before we get back to our topic at hand, um, let's start with introduction. I'm your fabulous... Fabulous. <laughs> Girl, you life. fabulous. Fabulous. <laughs> Fuck. All right. <laughs> fucking train wreck. I'm your fucking host, Gina, joining me today are my hilarious co-host, Phil. Hello, everybody. And Joey. Hi, this is Joey, and definitely not an AI representation of Joey. And Abby. Hello. And also joining us is Baker. Hey, guys. So, roll that intro. That's a fucking train wreck. I'm aware. All that beautiful bean footage. (laughs) Joey was drinking at the exact same time. (laughs) Warning, we try to provide accurate information, but we are in no way historians or experts in this field. We mean no offense to anyone or anything. This is just for fun, so come listen and enjoy. So, before we get going, we need to address... The elephant in the room. That's right. The we, raccoon in the recently, um Recently, we had to take a little bit of a break. Um, not saying it was because of any specific reason, but my brother, Joey, um, is now... Joey, why don't you tell him? Can you... I'm engaged to be married. Oh, my God. <gasps> Oh my god. <laughs> Here's the beautiful bean footage. Minnehabessa? <laughs> All that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> I was looking for a applause button and I don't have one. I have a laughter button, so it sounded like I laughed hysterically at that. Jeez, Phil. What a dick. I know. Not cool. Um, Thanks, congratulations, man. guys. That's fucking Thank awesome. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> Uh, Abby has been a part of the family forever, but this is just yeah. This is just the ring on the finger. You know what I mean? You know what Literally. I mean? Literally, yeah. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Right. Now I'm not gonna embarrass anybody, so we'll get that out of the way. But congratulations, we're so happy yes. for you guys. That's so awesome. Thank you. Thank new, you. New microphones. They're coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was trying to drink. Sorry, Gina. <laughs> Are you ready yeah, for I'm me going. to start? Oh, I'm I guess I started, don't I? <laughs> I was waiting for one of you guys. All right. So, as usual, let's start with a little bit of background information on the Comanche Indians. The Comanche people are still alive today, living within the Comanche Nation. According to the Comanche Nation's website, the Comanche are known as Lords of the Plains and were once a part of the Shoshone tribe. I hope I'm saying that right. In the late 18th... Six- I tried too hard. <laughs> that needs to be a drop. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was trying way too hard on that one. All right. In the late 1600s and early 1700s, they moved off from their Shoshone kinsmen onto the northern plains and then southernly into search of new homeland. They migrated across the plains through Wyoming, Nebraska, Colorado, Kansas, New Mexico, Texas, and Oklahoma. They ultimately set- settled. <sighs> <laughs> I'm trying way too hard, you guys. It's been too long. All right. <laughs> Ultimately settling in southwest Oklahoma. And the horse was a key element in the Comanche culture, which we are actually going to get to here in a little bit. But first, let's kind of talk a little bit about the rise of the Comanche 
nation or empire. So the way I understand it real quick is that there was an empire of Comanche Indians. Um, They kind of were originally part of the Shoshone tribe. They broke off and started coming to in search of other homeland. So they were kind of nomad. You know, they moved around a lot. Um, They were tired of everybody's shit. (laughs) Well, they were really peaceful at first. They were actually a very peaceful tribe and did a lot of like hunting gathering. I wonder if it was one of those things kind of like where they were with a group of people originally, you know what I mean? And then the two people maybe split off from the group and then were in search of their own thing. You know, I don't know if they were kicked out. If they were kicked out, it would have been something kind of like Biodome, honestly. That's kind of how it was on there. You know how Bud and Doyle got kicked out and they had to go out in the... That was fast, their own man. Stuff. Yeah, that's way am, too early for the I am so reference. impressed because this whole time I was writing this, I thought about that. I'm like, how is this man going to yeah. throw in Biodome? Yeah, wow. Wow, that was just like... just let you know that it, hadn't, that it hadn't been too long for your boy. Well, the planes wow. would have looked a lot like, knew it. Uh, you know, Biodome. Yeah. No roads. The desert in Biodome, yeah. The des- uh, yeah, no, you know. <laughs> Nope. There's some grass there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was called the plains. Okay. You know. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Well, okay. Well, you know. So they kind of started. <laughs> they kind of started um, breaking off from the Shoshone tribe and began kind of um, their travel southwestward. A and... dome within a dome, if you will. <laughs> All right, so it is important to note that before the arrival of European settlers in America, the Comanche had a complex and dynamic relationship with the other Native American tribes within the region that they were kind of traveling through. Um, They were kind of the outcasts because they were nomadic and kind of new to the territory. Um, As the Comanche migrated southward onto the southern plains, they encountered other tribes such as the Apache, which we're going to get to here in a little bit, Wichita, and various plain tribes. But the Comanche... How do you think that they knew that... Couldn't you just be like, oh, bro, I'm Comanche. I mean, like... Whoa. whoa. A lot of it had to do with, like, what they were wearing um, and, like, the special markings. (laughs) That is not. No, not if you... It would be be tribe appropriation, I guess, if you said that you were a Comanche and you weren't, but... They looked completely different. That's the thing is. They did. They did. They looked completely different. I wish I had the quotes, but they said of uh, they said about the Comanche Indians were that they were very like ugly people. They would call them just because they were. Like... Who's racist now, buddy? <laughs> Not me. I no, no, no. Just... I'm trying to remember. All I was the quote. saying was, but see, they were from a different land, they so like the that way unhom- that they unhomely. did yeah, things exactly. was different than the people of that. Area. But like the Apache well, Indians. Do you think it different. was on site too, though? Like, was it like? Fucking dude, if I find any fucking Apaches over here, uh, I'm fucking them up on site. Dude. Well, Whoa. at this point, the Comanche were kind of the outcasts and were kind of um, attacked by the other plain tribes. Not all of them, obviously. Like, there were some peaceful villages and stuff. But, um, like, the Apache would actually kind of bully the Comanches. Well, the Apaches killed off a lot of the Comanche Indians. Yeah. yeah, because the Comanche, like I said, generally traveled in like smaller bands during this time. Um, but as they adapted to the harsh environment of the plains, their way of life kind of transformed. And their interactions with other tribes became influenced by competition for resources, territory, and of course, their cultural differences. So <clears throat> the Comanche, of course, engaged in both peaceful and conflictual interactions which we're going to talk about here shortly um with neighboring tribes they were often seen forming alliances engaging in trade and intermarried with some other tribes but they also engaged in conflicts raids and territorial disputes with other tribes the dynamic nature of these relationships was shaped by factors such as their resource scarcity access to various hunting grounds and as usual the pursuit of power and prestige being the top dog the top dog yeah and to be coolest guy to be the coolest dude (laughs) among the cool hey you're not that guy 
Okay. <laughs> not that good. You're not that good. Um, but it is important to note that the arrival of European settlers and the ensuing westward expansion um, also brought about significant changes in the dynamics of Native, Native American interactions and the need for kind of cooperation between certain tribes. But as the European settlers encroached upon Comanche territories, conflicts kind of escalated. And the Comanche became more engaged in warfare and resistance against those encroaching forces than the peaceful tribe they once were. They became vengeful. Gina, can you say... Can you say settlers, settlers again for me? Thank settlers? you. Settlers? I cannot say settlers. <laughs> okay. I was hearing it. I didn't want to say it. Yeah, I was hoping that I wouldn't have to say that word very often, but it comes up a lot, so don't judge me. Okay? But now you're going to get How me in my head because it? I'm like settlers. Set, well, uh, set, I have just settlers. like set, settlers. Settlers. But it's yeah. not. It's settlers. <laughs> like if you sound it out phonetically, it is settlers. Settlers. Right, but I mean... You don't Look say settlers. The There'd be an extra e in there. Settler, settlers. settlers. You know what? Now that I've said it enough, Settlers? it sounds stupid either way. So, I know it does. The Skedlers. Yeah. Skedlers. Skedlers. It's spelled S-E-T-T-L-E-R-S. Settlers is the way I would say it. Settlers. Gina, are you googling Not this like, right now? That's yeah. how it says settlers. It's settlers. I still can't fucking say it the right way. I don't know. I was sounding it out phonetically. Okay, guys. I am a phonics teacher. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> Fuck off. It is settlers. Settlers. No big deal. For those not phonetically aware. Whoops. Yeah. All right, so the conflict between the Apache and the Comanche was kind of what was brought up to Phil, or from Phil to me, and so I really wanted to make sure I touched on that. So the conflict between the Apache and the Comanche was characterized by intermittent periods of both cooperation, but also hostility. The outcome of their battles varied, and it's important to note that conflicts between tribes were not limited to single specific battles but actually involved a series of skirmishes raids and of course territorial disputes over an extended period of time at the (laughs) at the beginning of the comanche entering the territory the apache were known to randomly attack the comanche um but the comanche got an advantage after encountering oh my god but the Comanche got an advantage after encountering <laughs> that the is Euro- a tongue twister. Oh God, the yeah. Comanche got an advantage. Yeah, after encountering the European settlers. I like how this story just became a uh, tongue twister for Gina me. Gina trying to teach us yeah. phonics now. Okay, but the Comanche Wrong, got an advantage <laughs> after encountering the Comanche. <sighs> Who were the Comanche after the settlers? <laughs> You're pantsy. <laughs> but the comanche got an advantage after encountering the european (laughs) european european (laughs) settlers i'm just gonna fucking skip the sentence i give up they realized the usefulness of horses um after encountering these settlers and began (laughs) raised fucking hate this and soon began raids on small homesteads and they came well versed in attacking at night and so this is where phil kind of comes in with his knowledge of kind of the events between the apache and the comanche and it it, and kind of how the comanche grew well and the spanish really i mean it all kind of starts with the spanish right you mean european settlers because it wasn't just spanish the european settlers because you also had mexican settlers coming up too Settlers. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I tried to keep a straight face. You did it. Okay. So, but you know, I call them. I I guess the video that I watched twice. <laughs> oh, the expert here, Phil. Is yeah. Who I'm passing it over. They were called Spanish. Them so they were Europeans. The, the Spanish, right? Spanish came over with a whole bunch of horses. God damn it. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> You're real intense right now. I'm sorry. Bring it down. I usually don't call on me. Well, now are you all flustered? Phil. Okay, so anyway. Your shit together. Spanish came over. I'm just going to say Spanish. 
Does Spanish? God damn it, everything is. Now you know my feelings. You second guess every fucking thing you say because if you say it wrong, you motherfuckers <laughs> are going to be laughing at me. Okay, so anyway. And you're going to get canceled. The Spanish people versus the Apache people. So anyway, the Spanish people came over and they were, the Europeans came over and they had horses. That's a big part of the story, right? Because when they came over, they had all these horses and the Apache people would like raid their camps and stuff like that. And instead of taking the horses, a lot of times they would steal the horses and then they would let a lot of them free or whatever. So this comes into play later in the story because the Comanche people actually as a race adapted those horses and got a lot of those horses and started breeding those horses. They became excellent horseback riders like they were they started teaching them at a very young age they basically like lived with the horses they were a people with the horses like 100 percent. they did everything on horseback so when it became time or when it came time for them to actually like fight the apache people which is kind of funny not funny i mean it's horrible but well they they still had conflicts with them but like the back and forth right yeah but the weird i think i know where you guys are gonna go this is did they turn into minotaurs is that where minotaurs oh my actually god come yes from? this no they really did become one with the they did yeah, yeah. <laughs> not quite like that no Aww. but they were they were known for being like in incredibly ruthless on horseback they learned be centaur they were or a centaur a centaur yeah dipshit <laughs> minotaur is a bull and a man damn Dummy. it fucking Centaur is a half man, half horse. So anyway, the Apache people basically were like the reason for their own demise because they let all these horses go. The Comanche people got all of these horses and they started breeding these horses. And like over a hundred years, they made these horses their bitch. And these horses were actually... They gave them an I bet. Exactly. They came over from Europe. They were actually well adapt they were mustangs they were well adapt to the um the planes they More just of a camaro guy myself but whatever sure sure but actually wait isn't a camaro a horse too i think so because i think i looked that up yeah it's a breed of the comanche became renowned <laughs> for their skill as ma- mounted warriors and their ability to conduct swift and devastating raids like phil said they kind of lived with their horses and so they became really good at riding their horses and especially at night they were very silent it was almost like ghosts were attacking yeah um, they were scary uh, as scary fuck, as fuck. Yeah. yeah dude they but actually they had to wild. be because people were destroying them i mean like yeah. i'm kind of on their side like they they resorted to a lot of violence and some of it probably was in revenge i'm not saying it wasn't like there's right. not a lot of documentation they became a very vengeful people because of the all of the raids and all of the basically they were outcast and things like that they became yeah, a, man. a tribe but the the other thing too what made them um even more dangerous were that they never slept in the same place twice because they didn't do Mark. agriculture they weren't farmers that was the downside of a lot of uh, other tribes was that they were farmers. They had yeah. to plant and they had to stay rooted for that. Which is the, how the Comanche kind of stood out at that time, too, was because they were nomads traveling from place ruthless. to place. You couldn't be within 400. So, you couldn't live within 400 miles of a Comanche tribe without being in trouble of some kind. Like they would be able to. That's how far their reach could go. On horseback, which is really crazy for that time. Yeah, their conflicts with others often revolved around competition for resources, particularly like hunting grounds and access to trade routes. The Comanche were known to own or um, kind of live close to very important trade routes to kind of control that trade. Buffaloes, bro. Yeah. The battles like between the Comanche the Comanche and the Apache were marked by strategic maneuvering, surprise attacks and hit and run tactics. Surprise motherfucker. Yeah. And slowly the Comanche kind of pushed the Apache back into the mountains where they could kind of defend themselves a little bit better. And so the Apache were able to kind of push the Comanche back out. And then the Apache kind of claimed that territory while the Comanche kind of went on to spread a little bit. Can I get a, um, Dumb question from Joey Drop, maybe. Is Comanche and Apache, are those the names they gave themselves? The Comanche That's a good question. You keep actually, cutting out, though, also. Yeah, so do they go by the same name? So it means the people in their language. 
seems like maybe you know like these are invented things by us and not no, like totally two right. different people right the the name comanche comes from the ute word uh kimatsi mm. kim- meaning enemy stranger it is cheese that oh no no Matsi no. cheese enemy stranger no. their own name for the language is so oh that's an interesting thing too which so means yeah which means the, the people, people. Okay, so, is... so it is uh enemy stranger is yeah because they're they were scary yeah so like so white people gave them that name yes well spanish but yeah so that's the name of the tribe and always the name of the language that's always all right well that was my, <laughs> okay. my, my my second question was dumb as fuck that's what it, that's what it'll be it'll be two questions one of them is gonna be good and one of them is gonna be fucking terrible and you don't know which one you're gonna get in which order either actually wait a minute both of them might be fucking terrible sometimes <laughs> <laughs> it's very likely all right so how did this one small tribe become one of the most feared tribes on the great plains um it can be attributed to several key factors one of course was horse horsemanship and warfare which we kind of talked about they were exceptional horsemen and skilled warrior realtors they were extremely skilled realtors of the place i don't know where that came from they would come knock on your door sold a bunch of houses nope i was gonna say casinos but i can't say that and skilled (laughs) warriors with the acquisition of horses they gained a significant advantage in mobility enabling them to hunt buffalo more effectively and expand their territories and conduct raids with great speed and precision. Their ability to strike swiftly and escape swiftly on horseback made them formidable opponents. They were scary on horseback, yeah, man. Yeah. The they next really thing that kind of made, <clears throat> kind of helped the Apache was their adaptability. The Comanche were quick to adapt with changing circumstances. They embraced the equestrian lifestyle with horses and became one of the first tribes on the plains to fully exploit the potential of horses. Um, they kind of just learned everything they could about them. Um, this adaptation allowed them to move freely across vast territories in a short amount of time than what was possible with all those tribes on foot, um, making it difficult for their enemies to track or confront them because they were gone so fast. Um, they became and they a... They never had to worry about... Sorry, they never had to worry about shitting where they slept because they were moving all the time. That's right. So they yep. could literally shit where they slept and it wouldn't matter. No. Because yeah. they'd be gone the next day. Yeah, it's not necessarily something that I, like, write down as wanting to know about a people. But, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, sure. They never shit where they slept. How do yeah. they shit? Where do they shit? Why? Well, you know what I mean? I mean, everyone shits because they ate and digested food. Anyway, they became a nomadic society <laughs> following buffalo herds and utilizing their resources efficiently. So they were able to very travel to, where they needed to be because buffalo didn't just give them meat. It gave them a whole bunch of stuff. To double down on how scary they were on horseback. <laughs> They called it the Comanche Moon because they would they would do this shit. They would do raids at night and stuff and just absolutely crush people. And then they would be gone. So much so that when the Apache started stopped, I mean, I'm sorry, stopped attacking the Spanish, they didn't know why. They had no idea. The Spanish were trying to figure out why because they'd been fighting the Apache people for quite a quite a while and they were like they basically stopped. All the raids stopped and they couldn't figure out why. And it was said that the Apache were fighting an enemy that they don't know. It was too fast. It was too quick. It was too smart. It was everything. And they were like terrified. (laughs) It's such an interesting story because like I said, they did it to themselves, but still they were so fast and so scary on horseback that they just, they had nothing. They they didn't even know what it was. All right. So the next thing that kind of helped them was their military organization. They had a very strong organization and they had different bands that were led by respected chiefs and war leaders. Um, Each band kind of had its own authority and decision making power. This allowed for swift response and flexible strategies in times of conflict. They they didn't have to wait for it to go down the wire, basically. So then the next thing was raids and intimidation, which you kind of covered, too. Um, They were not only for acquiring resources, but also served as displays of power and intimidation. 
Um, the Comanche struck fear into the hearts of their adversaries, gaining a reputation as a formidable force that deterred potential threats. Um, they, I mean, they did raids on neighboring tribes, American settlers, and European American settlers. Settlers. <laughs> you know, it's okay at this point. I think I've, okay. we've all accepted it. We've all moved on. Yeah. Yeah. You say stuff wrong sometimes. So the next thing that kind of led the Comanches to be like a kind of a force to be reckoned with was their trade networks and economic power. The Comanche established extensive trade networks with other tribes. Um, Some kind of were said to be forced, but um, they also did trade with European settlers and traders along the route. (laughs) They controlled key trade routes, like I said, in those areas and served as intermentaries between different groups. So they kind of went in between different groups, too, so that they could control that. Like, no, I'm going to take it from this tribe and control the amount. Oh, really? That goes to the next tribe, yeah. So... um, This economic power kind of allowed them to accumulate wealth, acquire goods easier, and exert influence over neighboring tribes because they were in control. Um, But also another thing that kind of helped the Comanche was their unity. They had a strong sense of unity of cultural cultural identity and unity within their tribe. Um, They fiercely defended their traditions, customs, and their territories, which is why they were kind of considered the savage. Um, With air quotes, because that's not what I'm saying. Um, This shared sense of identity fostered a strong bond among the Comanche people (laughs) and (laughs) kind of enhanced their resilience in times of conflict. Um, But the exact details and outcomes of specific battles with the Comanche are not well documented or widely known simply because Native American conflicts were often just passed down through oral traditions and were not recorded by European observers because they didn't feel the need. I love when Gina brings us documentation and she goes, look, it wasn't well documented. Yeah, that's how I get most of my information. Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) So most of the information available today comes from like fragmented accounts at the time and historical analysis of what would have happened during that time too. Um, But we do know the combination of horsemanship, adaptability, military prowess, intimidation tactics, economic power, and that cultural unity propelled the Comanche to become one of the most feared tribes on the Great Plains. Their dominance and reputation. (laughs) One of the baddest (laughs) motherfuckers. One of the prettiest motherfuckers. (laughs) Their dominance and reputation extended for a significant period as they resisted outside forces and maintained their independence. But eventually, like all good things, must come to an end. But before we get to the fall of the Comanche tribe, let's learn about our new segment of our show. Odd bit shit. Odd bit shit. Odd bit shit. All right, so this new segment of our show was originally thought up by Abby. Um, We kind of wanted to do a whole podcast that focused on the strange and unusual stories of women throughout history, but time kind of gets in the way of like a whole nother podcast. So to keep Mm -hmm. the fun idea going, I thought maybe we could just start including a little segment into our podcast. So here is our first odd bitch shit segment. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I'm excited. I love it. All right, so today's Odd Bit Shit features Cynthia Ann Parker. Does anyone know the name? Or how um, it might relate to Parker our podcast? Parker Brothers' sister? What? Who? Like Parker Brothers' sister. The Parker Brothers' sister, like they didn't really talk about. The guys that made the games. All the games. Oh, the Parker's <laughs> Oh, my Monopoly. fucking God. That took me a minute. Yeah, that was bad. All right. Well, let me fill it in for those of you who might not know. Dummies. I know. No, I'm just joking. I have no idea. Cynthia Ann Parker's story is both fascinating and kind of tragic. She was born in 1827, and she was a young girl of around nine years old when her life took a dramatic turn. Cynthia Ann was part of the pioneering family, part of a pioneering family, settling in what is now Texas. The pioneering family. A pioneering family. (laughs) Settling in what is now Texas during a time of intense conflicts between the settlers and Native American tribes. Look, bro. Just do you is all I'm saying. It's Joey's fault. 
I mean, I'm not calling it a penguin, so I feel like I'm I'm one step ahead. In 1836, a Comanche raiding party attacked Cynthia Ann's family fort. They captured her and several other family members, taking them as prisoners. Among those captured, her brother and uncle were killed by the Comanche. Her grandmother and a few other family members, uh, I think it was like two cousins is what I had read on one of the accounts, were ransomed back to the white settlers or Spanish, whoever it was at that time. Um, but Cynthia Ann was adopted by the Comanches and raised as one of their own. She was like, fuck that. I'm staying, bitches. Right? <laughs> she kind of became a ward of like one of the chiefs or something, I believe. So over the years, she kind of fully embraced the Comanche way of life. She married a prominent warrior in the tribe named Peta Peta. Nakona, and together they had three children. Cynthia Ann became deeply embedded in the Comanche culture. It is said she even forgot how to speak English. So she lived with the Comanche for around 25 years before fate intervened again. In 1860, a Texas Ranger detachment led by Walker. Lawrence Sullivan Ross, <laughs> who actually later became the governor of Texas. Chuck Norris. <laughs> later became the governor of Chuck Norris. Launched a surprise attack on the Comanche encampment. During the raid, Cynthia Ann was recognized as the long-lost white girl, and her tragic tale took an unexpected turn. Listen, she does have a very Chuck Norris-like story where she's like, listen, man. The Comanche doesn't kidnap me. I command. I kidnap yeah, the Comanche. <laughs> I'm staying. Yeah. Yeah. No so, shit. The Texas Rangers took Cynthia Ann back with them, and this separated her from her Comanche family. She struggled to reintegrate into the world she had once known. <laughs> this odd bitch cannot get it figured out. Yeah. Well, yeah. she doesn't have much help. Um, she longed for her family, especially her sons, and tragically, Cynthia Ann's heart heartache continued until her dying days she passed away in 1871 only a few years after being forcibly separated from her comanche family cynthia ann's story became a symbol of the complicated relationship between the settlers and native americans during that era but her legacy doesn't end there so remember back to cynthia ann's comanche sons well one Mm -hmm. would become well one well-remembered leader of the Comanche. During She's this- Paul Harveying us again, <laughs> Joey. <laughs> love during- these. Fucking love, love this shit. All right, so during this time period, the Comanche did not have like a specific leader, but more of like a council of leaders, including Cynthia Ann's husband and one of her sons. Um, Cynthia Ann's son, Quana Parker grew up fully immersed in the Comanche culture, learning the ways of his people, including hunting, riding, of course, and warrior traditions. He demonstrated natural leadership qualities and exceptional skills, which would later propel him to a position of prominence within the Comanche. So, Quana's rise to leadership kind of began during a time of great turmoil and change for the Comanche. As European settlers continued to encroach upon the Comanche lands, um, conflicts, of course, escalated, resulting in the decline of the tribe's power. They lost a lot of people during these raids because, of course, the Comanche's firepower was a lot different than that of the European settler settlers at the time. <laughs> so in the face of these challenges... Quana emerged as a strong and visionary leader, um, dedicated to preserving Comanche traditions, but also adapting to the changing world. Quana recognized that the importance of adapting to that changing world around him, so he encouraged his people to embrace aspects of the European culture, um, such as ranching and agriculture, while also preserving and honoring their own cultural heritage, and so they kind of started to settle down. Um, Quana's pragmatic approach sought to ensure the survival and well-being of the Comanche in the rapidly evolving society. He wanted to make sure that they were able to keep pace with everything that was happening. Um, so he kind of recognized the need for unity and strategic alliances. So Quana forged alliances with other Native American tribes, such as the Kiowa and Cheyenne to resist the encroachment of settlers and actually defend their territories. 
Um, by fostering alliances, Kwana sought to establish a united front against common threats such as the settlers. <laughs> he became a very skilled diplomat negotiating with government officials, um, including U.S. Army officers. Um, he also, Indian agents and policymakers um, were other ones that he kind of negotiated with. Um, he advocated for the rights and welfare of the Comanche people, working to secure their land, their resources, and hopefully better living conditions for his tribe. Um, Kwana's ability to communicate and negotiate effectively allowed him to articulate the needs and concerns of the Comanche in that changing political landscape as the settlers kind of moved in. So once again, this is Cynthia's husband? Son. Son. Her son. Okay. <clears throat> so that's how she kind of plays a big role in their history well microphones be careful yeah, when Gina's hit that. yeah all right so kwana also now i have to cough kwana also led his people in resistance against encroaching settlers and u.s army he strategized and coordinated defensive measures employing both military tactics and diplomatic efforts to protect comanche lands uh kwana's leadership during the battle of palo duro canyon I hope I'm saying that right. I said Close it with, enough. Yeah. I said yeah. it with like confidence. I don't think anybody here is going to argue with you about it. You know what I'm saying? Fair. All right. So in 1874, and is an example of his efforts to defend his people against the external. External. <laughs> I was trying to like blow out at the same time. All right. Defend his people against external forces. The Battle of Payo. 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 Do you say P A L O? Like Payo. Yeah. Payo Duro Canyon was a significant yeah. event that took place on September 28, 1874, during the Red River War, a series of conflicts between the U.S. Army and several Native American tribes, um, including the Comanche, Kiowa, Cheyenne, and Arrow. Paul? I hope I'm saying those right. I'm not meaning to sleep. The American Eagles and the Air Apostles. It's Kiowa, I think, right? <laughs> Kiowa. See, I wasn't sure how Kiowa. to say that. Kiowa Canyon. Kiowa. Yeah. I figured some one of you guys might know because it sounded like they were kind of from the Kansas Territory, so. We didn't learn about them in our Iowa history anyway. It's coyote. Is coyote. All right, the coyotes. All right, under the leadership of Colonel Ran Ranold Ran Ranold S. McKenzie. This white guy's name's harder to pronounce. Yeah. Please please cut that out. <laughs> no. I no, love that. That's no. a good joke. <laughs> The U.S. Army's 4th Cavalry, along with elements of the 10th Cavalry, which were the Buffalo Soldiers. Like the conflict. song? No. What? Buffalo Soldiers. Like that song? I don't know. The Bob Marley song, man. Anyway, they launched a surprise attack on the large Comanche camp in Payo Duro Canyon, which was, which is locate, was located in the Texas Panhandle. This camp, known as the Winter Encampment, was home to numerous Comanche families, including women, children, and a lot of their elders. Um, Colonel McKenzie's objective was to strike a decisive blow against the Comanche, disrupt their way of life, and force them onto the reservations that they were setting aside for them. Um, the attack on the Winter Encampment aimed to disrupt the Comanche's resources, their supplies, and their ability to sustain their nomadic lifestyle because during the winter, they were able to camp there. Um, in the early morning hours, Colonel McKenzie's troops descended into the canyon, catching the Comanche by surprise. The soldiers engaged in a fierce battle with the Comanche warriors, resulting in casualties on both sides. While the Comanche fought bravely, they were ultimately overpowered by the superior firepower and numbers of the U.S. Army because they were unsuspecting. Um, the soldiers destroyed the Comanche camp, burning their burning their teepees, confiscating horses, and seizing their supplies. The battle, battle of Peo Duro Canyon dealt a severe blow to the Comanche and further weakened their resistance against American expansion into their traditional lands. The aftermath of the battle marked a turning point in Comanche history. 
with the loss of their resources and destruction of their winter camp, significantly impacted their ability to sustain their way of life. Many Comanche, um, including their prominent leader, Quana Parker, eventually surrendered to the U.S. Army, leading to the confinement of the tribe on reservations and decline of their once dominant presence on the Southern Plains. Um, after the battle, Quana kind of used his position of influence to advocate for Native American rights on a broader scale. He actually traveled to Washington, D.C. and engaged in political discussions to bring attention to the challenges faced by Native American tribes. Uh, Quana aimed to secure fair treatment, recognition of tribal sovereignty. Sovereignty. Did I say that right? Sovereign. Okay. And improve conditions for all Native people not just the Comanche tribe. And that, dear listeners, brings us to the end of our journey through the rise and somewhat fall of the Comanche Empire. So anything surprising from today's episode? Yeah, I really thought that uh, Quana Parker was going to be somebody cool, but it turned out that... <laughs> yeah, I really thought you were going to be Damn it, hey, Gina. He's done a lot for Native American <laughs> rights in today's society. Like, he did a lot back I then. Know. I mean, that's legit as shit. It is. But if he would have like, been, listen, like, Geronimo or something yeah, like that... Yeah, exactly. I thought that that's crazy. where that was going. I thought, right, like, I thought we were going to be like, in that, sir, was the story of Setting Bull. Do you know how hard it is to dig through history that is not recorded? fuck. Do you know how hard yeah, it is? Yeah, you could have been like... Then that was Crazy Horse, and I would have been like, dope. Yeah, exactly. That's fucking craziness. Yeah, yeah. And, like, that's and a crazy story. there's a little statue story. made of that that guy. You should have just hit us. Let's redo it and just say that. Can we just say that? He has done a yeah. lot for the Native for American tribes. Okay. From their awe-inspiring horsemanship to their fearsome reputation on the Great Plains, the Comanche left and indelible mark on history or rememberable mark on history i don't know why i put that number in there whether in cynthia ann parker's capture quana parker's remarkable journey to leader or the battles and raids that shaped their legacy the comanche story is filled with twists turns and plenty of horse stealing shenanigans so let's tip our hat to these wild riders and remember that even in the midst of serious history a sprinkle of humor can make the past come alive Thanks for listening to High Stories, where we bring the past to life, one history at a time. Remember, the past is not just a collection of facts and dates. It's a story of who we are and how we got here. So let's keep exploring the fascinating and complex histories that shape our world today. Until next time, keep discovering your own high story. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning in to High Stories History on a High Note. We love to hear new ideas, questions, and positive feedback from our shows, so feel free to email us at hi.stories673 at gmail.com. Also, if you love random daily facts, follow us on Twitter at hi.hi underscore stories 673 or instagram at hi hi dot stories 673 in the words of william shakespeare with mirth and laughter let old wrinkles come